Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, Serial fan. Welcome to the Scudetto Christmas Party. We'll bring you all the usual narrative and chat, plus a whole lot more festive waffle and bonus bits. Find out who's leading the Galliadini Challenge, the most honoured and dishonoured figures in Italian football, and who would make it onto our very own Serie A Come Diamond League special. If none of that interests you, we'll also talk about the football and the latest in Papu Gasquet in this episode of Scudetto. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Christmas special of Scudetto. We are 13 games into the season, and this will be our 17th episode on Reliably Informed. Um, and this is probably the closest to a Christmas party any of us are getting this year. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to Scudetto this year. Just getting that out of the way now in case we all get too drunk and forget to say it at the end. It's a bit, a bit strange to be breaking for Christmas so early. We've obviously got one more round of games tomorrow before the Christmas break, uh, before the winter break, and obviously very tight at the top. Now confirmed that one of the Milan clubs is going to be top at Christmas. Uh, Juve sitting in third, just four points behind them. We'll get into all of that in part one. Uh, and then in part two, we're going to round up some of the other games, answer all of your questions, and uh, give out the Scudetto Awards. But first, a very Merry Christmas to my panel. Kenny, Merry Christmas. Do you want to tell us about your beers lineup? Uh, Merry Christmas, Oscar. Uh, yeah, well, should should I go through the entire lineup at one time rather than springing surprises? I guess. Or well, if you want to do two now, we do two at the start of part two. I don't know. Whatever you we're think. Four beers. I thought we were doing three beers. <laughs> How many have you got? You I've got, got three. three. I've got okay, two, two here. Now. Okay, okay. Let's do two now. Okay, right. So I've got uh, both of my beers uh, that I have in front of me are from Leith. Uh, the first one is uh, Pilot IPK, uh, and that is uh, India Pale Kolsch. And the other one is another Campervan brewery, and this one's Bear Country uh, West Coast IPA. This one, this one's a 6%er. This is as strong as I'm going because uh, I don't want to, you know, get up to anything that will get me sacked at the Christmas party. <laughs> Very wise indeed. And how about you, Baz? Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. As I said, this was my one chance to go a bit wild in the next uh, new year. So um, I'm going to take it. And Kenny's 6% or I laugh in its face. What, what do you have then? Tell us about it. My choices are kind of dictated by the need for a slight Christmas theme. So my second one is this uh, Hitachino Real Ginger Ale RGA. Lovely little branding. And as a result, I'm also um, having a Hitachino IPA as my first beer. And uh, Hitachino is a Japanese brewery, so I've never had it before. It should be interesting. Very good. Global global beers on this podcast. I, myself, I've, I've actually already drunk one of them in pre-production because it took so long. Uh, it was the Malmgard <laughs> Cream Ale. Uh, which was very nice and creamy, sort of quite similar to a Guinness, I guess. An Ailey. Creamy, creamy. and <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was similar to sort of a, like a Porsche or a Guinness. 
Um, but I haven't had a proper Guinness in a while, so it's good. This one I'm about to crack is called uh, a Yolu Olet, which is like finished for Christmas beer. Um, I don't know what sort of beer it is. I just asked my wife to translate the can. She's like, it just says beer. So <laughs> it's a bit of a surprise. It's 5%. Let's crack it open and see how it goes. I've got, um, I've started on that IPK and it's very nice. I'm guessing we're not going to have a chance to do a review of all of them this time. As we progressively get drunker, we'll be, yeah. this one's great. Oh, this is quite dark. I think it's like some sort of ale. But not a creamy one. It's not very creamy, no. Anyway, uh, that's probably probably enough about beers for now. Mm, very nice as well. <laughs> I hope that we're better at we're better at reviewing football matches than we are at reviewing beer because yeah. they don't have very um, expansive vocabulary when it comes to that. Anyway, um, let's start off uh, with Sassuolo 1, Milan 2. Boaz, can you tell us how fast Milan scored their first goal? In the time it takes Bill Gates to make uh, $600 or the time it takes uh, a professional lockpick to pick one six of a lock... Leao managed to um, break the all-time Serie record for um, fastest goal and apparently it's also the fastest goal in the top five leagues as I was expressing before we started recording I wonder what the all-time record is including as Kenny said to me the ones before we had video recordings stuff like that but anyway it's a nice achievement and um the Milan coach Pioli claimed that, that they'd been uh, practicing that move throughout the season and that they had four or five solutions for kickoff. I don't think that, I mean, maybe it would be faster if someone would just shoot from kickoff and it went straight in. Like maybe there's some poor keeping in the annals, but you'd think that the players are faster now and the pitches are quicker, but it probably is the quickest. I mean, technically, um, you have to wonder. About Sassuolo's defense, because arguably at the beginning of the at the very start of the match is when you should be most prepared mentally. When whatever the manager said at the uh, beginning of the game is mo- is freshest in your mind, and yet um, the defense was a little bit like butter, and uh, Hakan and Leao were able to run right past them and score this crazy fast goal. And I have to be honest, I, I was still making an espresso. I, I definitely wasn't expecting there to be a goal so quickly. Kenny, did you want to weigh in on how fast it was? It was pretty fast. It was pretty fast. But no, I wanted to just comment on the what Boaz mentioned about Pioli saying afterwards that Milan apparently have four or five uh, of these schemes prepared for starting the game. And I've I've heard it uh, heard it or read it suggested that um, basically this isn't the idea isn't every game we're going to try and score a goal from kickoff. The idea is <laughs> it's to like set the tone for the game. And it's like it's as meant, mental as much as anything to try and get the players into that mode where right from kickoff, we're at it. Um, and to start on the front foot, to start by going forward, which I think is um, interesting. It's a kind of interesting insight into, you know, what, what goes on that we don't, we don't necessarily see, uh, you know, the, the uh, approach is taken um, when the cameras are switched off. Yeah, we should look out for that start of, um, when the football comes back, actually. I, I remember Jonathan Wilson of The Guardian um, saying, taking the time to watch, analyse what every team did from kickoff and it, in the Premier League. And most of them were just kicking for territory. So maybe we should do something similar for Serie A. We'll, we'll get back to you on that. Um, anyway, but 
the other thing we need to talk about with Milan is that, that they'll obviously be um, happy that the break's coming because it seems like they've got a growing list of injuries. Kessie now suspended, Benesher is injured, uh, Tonali potentially out, and then obviously Rebic, Zlatan, and Gabi Ankia all still out. How much of a concern is, is this? Uh, so do you expect to get some of those back before uh, the first round of games in early January? So um, it is a certainty that all the names you mentioned will be missing the big game in midweek against Lazio at San Siro. We kept saying throughout the build-up to the previous games that uh, without these so-called elder statement on the field, uh, the whole uh, team is relying on some sort of inertia as opposed to any sort of experience. As having said that, the team spirit in Milan is very strong right now. And uh, while obviously Lazio are not an opponent to, to be um, scoffed at or underrated, even without these big names, Milan couldn't get a result. However, what, going back to what you said, we, of course, it will be a completely different proposition when Ibrahimovic, but also to a lesser extent, Kjaer, will be back on the field and Benacer, who has actually been the, the kind of ticking clock in midfield for everything that's been happening. Yeah, fair point. I just want to say that it, it takes the Eminem 40 he manages <laughs> in six seconds. Eminem manages to rap 40 words. So, um, four, four zero. Yeah. Well, 39 if we we're going to be exact, but I, I rounded it up for him. Good to know. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on to Inter, who, uh, could, could still be winter champions. Are, are we still using that term for this point of the season? I'm not really sure, but, but they could go into the break top. I think technically winter champions is after one round of games, isn't it? Which obviously yeah. this season started a bit later. So yes, they could be champions at Christmas. Christmas champions. Yeah. Well, yeah, Inter still have the possibility of being Christmas champions. They beat Spezia 2-1. Uh, you said last week, Kenny, um, you, you apologized for writing them off. Um, what, what can we say about Inter that's new this week? Uh, solid performance. Just looks to be building some momentum, don't they? Yeah, in terms of results, yes. Uh, they're still not really uh, convincing, particularly in the, the first half of uh, of this game. They weren't really at it. Undoubtedly, the you know they've they've gone on a, a run of very good very good results. That's I think sixth game in a row that they've won, um, and that in that we've got uh, Sassuolo and Napoli who who they've uh, beaten. So not while not the most difficult run of games, it also you know hasn't been without its challenges. But there are I think bright uh, bright spots there. I think Sensi is beginning to come back to the sort of level that we saw at the start of uh, last season from him. And there's been a lot of focus on Christian Eriksen, obviously, but um, it's very easy to forget quite how good sense he was before he got injured last season. So that could be uh, a real a real asset to them going into uh, 2021. I probably i i'm still where where i was a few um a few weeks ago really uh, i find it difficult to pick a favorite i would say it's probably between inter and juve um but not in any way writing milan off what makes you say that just because of the squad depth yeah i think so i think um, what we're seeing at the moment is that the they've both closed the gap on milan and it seems to be Teams like Milan, who have a slight, have slightly smaller squads, 
that are beginning to beginning to drop points and Juve and Inter have got the, the biggest squads, the most expensive squads uh, are still churning out results. So yeah, I would expect them. I think they've just, they're just the depth of their squad really. And on the topic of teams that are starting to churn out results, um, maybe we move on to Juve now, who won 4-0 away at Parma. Um, they're looking really, really quite good now and we're starting to see what Pirlo wants to do with them uh, and it seems they can even win when Morata and Ronaldo have a bit of a bad game um, obviously the 1-1 draw with Atalanta yeah so actually Morata and Ronaldo were were great at the the weekend um, which they weren't against Atalanta but I think as a whole the the Juve Atalanta game in midweek was just an absolutely fantastic game of football and I said last week before this these two round of games uh, the um, Atalanta and Juve were two teams that had put together two good performances uh, for, for the first time, I think, both of them back-to-back good performances. And now both of them have put in uh, a run of four really very, very decent performances. I think with Juve, what we're seeing really is this Pirlo identity like you, you spoke about. We're seeing a lot of interchanging of positions between players. Uh, I think it was in the Gazzetta today they were talking about how Kulusevski can come in field, McKenney can push out, um, how Morata can basically be the, the, the player that Cristiano Ronaldo wants him to be um, the fact that they're defending with a high line, the fact that they move the ball really, really quickly. These are all things that Pirlo said he wanted to introduce. And I think for a while we were thinking, well, where is this football that we are promised? And I think that's what we are beginning to see. I mean, that Atalanta Juve game at times was uh, absolutely electric, just end to end. And yeah, at the weekend, absolutely convincing resounding uh, win and yeah could have been could have been seven two yeah. that game i mean while we're singing the praises of uh, Murata and ronaldo i think we, we do have to mention i know we're going to come back to it later but the uh, <laughs> the Murata miss a, a strong contender should we say in the uh, in the Cagliadini challenge glorious <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of my favorite football misses of all time. I don't know what he was thinking. Um, he was played through one-on-one with Golini, uh, I guess because Cristiano Ronaldo was beside him. Instead of basically finishing, he decides to pass the ball to Ronaldo, passes it really badly, uh, the ball <laughs> rebounds to him. He's basically just got a side foot into the net and for some reason he decides to try and back heel it, completely miscues it and it dribbles out for a goal kick. I mean, we'll speak about the awards later on, but uh, I think this is a spoiler that it's going to be in there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a strong contender to say say the least. Okay, any last points, Baz, on, um, on Juventus or Parma? Since we both, we've mentioned um, both Juventus and Milan, it's worth noting that... Uh, both Dybala and Donnarumma have uh, their contracts up for renewal very soon. Donnarumma's contract expires at the end of this season and Dybala's expires at the end of next season. And uh, obviously signing them up for a new deal or trying to offload them for some money is uh, very important to both clubs. I think the standings of both players have changed dramatically in the past months and uh, I'd be real surprised if Donnarumma didn't stay at Milan, but I'm not sure Dybala is going to stick around much longer. Yeah, um, I've made my feelings known before about where I'd like to see him end up. So um, if you're listening, Mr. Levy, get him on a plane. 
And Daniele actually said that Dybala was uh, not in the top 20 players in the world and therefore did not deserve the top 20 salaries in more or less those words. This is a man who was voted Serie A player of the season about four months ago. Yeah. We'll be uh, returning to players' uh, relationships with their presidents in part two, but that's all we've got time for in this part. Um, just a few honourable and dishonourable mentions, uh, Baz, you want to give one to Buffon? Yeah, I mean, uh, Buffon was back in the squad for the for the midweek Champions League game, and he played again this week, and you have to say that uh, keeping two clean sheets, but also... It's kind of a retro feel when you see Buffon in goal. And personally, it reminds me of the 2006 World Cup win. So always good and always a great character to have in Serie A. Baz, this is yours, but I'm going to steal it because we didn't get to, to talk about it earlier. Um, this is an honorable to Ericsson or a dishonorable to statisticians um, because it, it turns out Christian Ericsson was the most played player in the top five leagues in Europe in 2020 appearing in the most games, although I think, he, was he 1,000 in minutes played? Exactly, he was around the 1,000 points, uh, but the most played player, I think it takes the, his appearances for Denmark into consideration as well, and also a few games for Tottenham right at the beginning of the year. And also the odd one-minute cameo that um, we've seen <laughs> him play for Conte. It's, it's worth noting... It's worth noting that on that same uh, CIES Football Observatory list, Lukaku, also of Inter, is the first Serie A player to feature for minutes. I mean, outfield player. And uh, obviously, that's quite a big contrast from Ericsson, who's very low in the ranking of uh, minutes. Yeah, I think it's showing with Lukaku, isn't it? He's beginning to look a little bit tired. He, like, uh, like Milan, will be looking forward to the Christmas break, I think. Absolutely. Okay, we've got one more honourable in this part. No, dishonourable, sorry, for uh, Serie Serie Chi. Yeah, I'm not sure who I'm giving this um, dishonourable to because, as always, when it comes to COVID issues, it's hard to pin blame on one party. Basically, Serie Chi side Casertana were forced to play their game against Viterbese despite having about 14 cases of COVID in their squad. And they played with just nine players on the field. They asked for the game to be postponed, but the opponents uh, refused. And as it turned out, of the nine players who were fielded, two had COVID while the game went on. So a complete farce. And I think maybe the opposing team, Viterbese, will uh, regret that decision now. Yeah, um, not sure what to say about that. I'm not sure who it's dishonorable to. But um, yeah, sounds like a bad situation. All right, that's all we've got time for in part one. Uh, we'll be right back. Hello, Serie A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scudetto Pod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Hello, and welcome to part two. This just in today. Genoa's manager Moran came ever so close to eating Panettone, but has been relieved of his duties as Genoa manager. So reports are that Davide Balladini has been lined up to take over, which for what would be his fourth spell at Genoa. So fourth time lucky, I guess. Before we get into the rest of the games and our Scudetto and the Scudetto Awards, uh, we're going to do another civilized beer. Um, so, Kenny, what's up next on your roster? I'm onto the Bear Country, which is the West Coast IPA. I've already 
cracked it open because I don't want to waste any time. Uh, it tastes good. It's very smooth. I like it. And I've got a Beaver Town Neko lined up. Sounding very focused, especially considering you've had two beers already. Um, how about you, Buzz? <laughs> what have you got? I'm just about to snap this uh, ginger ale beer. Apparently, it's got real ginger ale in it. So you're only on your second? I'm on my second, and it has um, it's an eight percenter. So I may be on my <laughs> second, but I'm drinking proper men's beers or something like that. This is where you needed a tactical session IPA in the equation somewhere to just like help you power through. You've got three to consume by the end of this uh, by the end of this recording. So yeah, I've gone for the more sort of difficult abrasive beers first, and now I've got myself a nice New England pale ale, also from Malmgard. Nice safe one to finish off. Uh, hopefully, can get through this part unscathed. Okay, let's start with Lazio two Napoli nil. Wow, the, okay, the, bars. The eight percenter tastes like it's a shot of whiskey or something. <laughs> strong, strong. And you got to get through that one to get to the next one. The next one is going to be a much chiller experience, I'm sure. This is a Christmas okay. party, boys. Get on it. I've got yeah, my hat also- on and the lights out. Pull yourself together and uh, tell us your thoughts on Napoli, um, because Gattuso is sending them into Retiro. So this was a, perhaps a surprising result, given the recent uh, results from both teams. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, Lazio struggled to get through in Europe, although ultimately qualifying was a glorious achievement. And uh, Napoli overall, overall had been playing well and were threatening to get into the Champions League spot. And we kept mentioning that without the three points plus one minus point um, lost against Juventus, they could be well in the top. Having said that, in this game, they didn't perform too well and the result isn't that surprising. Um, It's unfortunate to say, but the likes of Lozano, Petania and Politano are not the best uh, suited uh, subs for Ozyman, Mertens, Insigne, who are all missing from this game. Um, furthermore, it, it has to be said that uh, Lazio put in a really good defensive performance uh, with the likes of Huet and uh, Luis Felipe playing really well. Chiro Mobile gets his 12th goal in 13 games, which again, uh, considering he's only behind Lewandowski, Haaland, Salah and Cristiano Ronaldo in the whole of the world, pretty impressive. And if you saw the goal, it's a really nice header, the kind of thing that Chiro Mobile is known for. And uh, it's also nice to see um, Luis Alberto get on the score sheet, set up beautifully by Chiro Immobile, perhaps unselfishly, I might add, because he could have run on by himself. But in any case, uh, Luis Alberto, we may remember, had a few issues with the club, not spending enough money on the personnel. And uh, he was quite vocal on social media and Twitch and other things about it. Anyways, he scored uh, and ran to the manager to hug him. Partly also because Inzaghi's contract is kind of up for renewal and it's not clear if it will be renewed. So kind of a nice story of uh, redemption there. And uh, last point on this game is that it feels like uh, Simon Inzaghi has settled on the surely 100-year-old Pepe Reina as his goalkeeper. With uh, Stakosha going out with uh, COVID earlier in the season and then being rushed back uh, for a couple of games and not really being up for, up for it, uh, it looks like Inzaghi is um, very confident in the Spanish keeper. It's uh, an interesting choice because when he arrived at uh, Milan a couple of seasons ago, he was there as a reserve keeper. And again, last season at the Villa, you also felt that you weren't sure if he was going to be a starter or not. 
again, it's nice to see that Pepe Reina's career goes on. Yeah, I mean, he actually made a couple of good saves as well, didn't he? Um, but Kenny, did you want to come in on uh, on Napoli's injury crisis there? I actually wanted to come in and uh, just uh, give some some respect to, to Lazio, really, because this is uh, probably them back to being at their, um, you know, doing what, what they did so well last season. They were just uh, incredibly uh, well-organized, broke with real purpose, uh, were really lethal um, when, when they did uh, have opportunities and I think afterwards Immobile himself said this this is Lazio this is the Lazio that we know um, and it, it does have to be said that it, it might be the the it, it's, it's true but it might also be the easy thing to to say well Napoli weren't at the races but uh, equally Lazio uh, Lazio were great and I'd like to hope that this is perhaps them uh, turned a corner really because their performances uh, in, in the face of adversity in Europe obviously have uh, have been good uh, this season. Uh, in Serie A, it's, that's not been the case. Uh, and actually, if, taking a look at the, the league table, they do still, uh, all is not lost, they do still have uh, an opportunity to make that top four again. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I mentioned last week that it's a, season, a crazy season where co- there's going to be constantly changing narratives. Uh, and this could be one of those. It could be uh, that they've uh, found form at the right time. Yeah. Um, and just just on that point, um, obviously, we, we were saying last week that maybe the teams with the smaller squads are going to be, be struggling the most. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because... Um... We spoke. We mentioned earlier in the season that Lazio's squad beyond the starting eleven is a little bit weak. They can put on in a great performance like they did against Napoli, but at the same time, all you need to do is if one or two players is, are out, the whole uh, mechanism falls. Uh, likewise, we're speaking about uh, Napoli, and perhaps they're missing a big player like Milic, who, um, of course, is out through. Uh, some sort of disagreement with the club and he's not included in the match day squad but uh, perhaps they could have done with him right now i don't know it's uh, or they could have done alternatively with the money by selling him yeah and we said last week we think Aussie men might be back before christmas it looks from uh media reports that that's obviously not going to be the case he's uh, gone to antwerp to be um treated alongside Dries mertens i think but um hope to see them back in the new year I did just want to say on this as well, um, absolutely uh, applies to, to Napoli as well. The fact that we we said earlier on in the season that arguably on paper they have the most complete uh, first 11 and that's why we were kind of heralding them as uh, potential potential champions. But uh, you look at the, the teams like Napoli who have that strong uh, starting 11, but maybe when you go deeper into the squad, they don't have the quality to replace them. You look at Lazio, who we said didn't um, bolster their squad enough uh, in, the, in the, the transfer window. You look at Atalanta, you look even at Milan, it, it is all feeding into this narrative that we expected with this condensed season where it is going to be a real challenge for the, the, the smaller squads to to keep up. Good point. Um, Atalanta, however, rising to that challenge, at least on the evidence of the last game, a 4-1 win over Roma. Um, we'll talk about the game in a second, but I think first, Ken, you need to give us an update on uh, Papu Gaspgate, as we're calling it. What's what's the latest here? 
Yeah, well, where to where to start on this one? Really, it seems sadly like uh, Pablo Gomez has uh, played his last game for for Atalanta. If the reports are to be believed, uh, Gasparini was asked. Uh, I'm not sure if it was in the pre-match pre- press conference or the post-match. Um, my uh, memory after this uh, six percenter is uh, letting me down a little bit. Um, but he said it's one thing to upset, to use a slightly perhaps uh, more restrained language than Gasparini uses. One thing to upset the manager. It's quite another if you upset the the owners. Uh, and it, it seems like oh, this has been running throughout the week. And it kind of started on Monday uh, with that uh, Instagram post, I believe it was, that we, we spoke about where he basically said uh, a message to Atalanta fans, yada, 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 I'm your club captain you know me etc etc when i leave you'll find out the the true story uh, so apparently that upset the the president then in the juventus atalanta game there was this incredible situation where the juventus stadium were playing out the juventus anthem at the beginning of the game and gomez was uh, standing up singing the juventus anthem uh, which is uh, incredibly I mean, I know, I know. Um, And uh, also apparently didn't celebrate when Atalanta scored the equaliser in in that game. So I think the one thing that Gomez has possibly done this week is unite Atalanta fans behind (laughs) Gasperini, strangely. Uh, Because there was this thing that I spoke about last week where, you know, Gasperini's done so much for Atalanta, Gomez has done so much for Atalanta... But, I mean, you can't come out and say, you know who I am, I am Atalanta, and give it all of this, and then stand up and sing one of your rivals for Champions League qualifications anthems before the game. You don't celebrate the the equalizing goal. It's not great from, from Papo Gomez at all, um, and it's, it's, a very, at all. It's, a, it's, a, it's a very messy way for this all to end. Uh, does this um, give us a clue to the answer to my next question, which is where is Gomez going next? Is he trying to sweeten up the Juventus hierarchy by singing their national anthem, their club anthem? So first of all, I want to say that while I can't really um, defend him not celebrating a goal, although I'm sure he has his reasons, I think the whole anthem thing might have been slightly overdone because I I don't think I could sing the Juventus anthem even if I heard it a hundred times. I can barely sing the Milan one if there is if they're still doing using the one they used to use. So I I mean I don't know how it is in other countries, but club anthems in Italy are not like a religious statement or something. They probably change every few weeks. And he was being he was trolling a little bit, but he's not like he was singing. He was pledging allegiance. But when your loyalty to the club is in question, is trolling for for lols really the for sure? The, and, the way uh, you want the club captain to be behaving? I mean, that's how Boaz behaves on this podcast. I like to think I I have a slight uh, clown element in my uh, bag of tricks, and I I kind of see the I see the I see the funny side of it, and uh, as a person who's made impulsive decisions on the spot because i thought it was going to be funny and didn't turn out too well i I kind of understand papu but having said that you asked earlier where i think he's gonna go the the rumors are all the top clubs in italy so juventus inter milan roma napoli i personally think that he'd probably not be such a good fit for the likes of milan and uh 
Roma, who probably need the out-and-out goal scorer more than they need the creator right now. But um, he'd certainly fit in in any of those other sides. And with Christian Christian Eriksen, I was going to say, with Christian Eriksen seemingly on the way to Paris right now, maybe there is a room there is room for a tutto campista as uh, papo gomez likes to think he is in uh, antonio conte's plant having said that if there is one coach who is completely unflexible with his tactics it's probably antonio conte exactly <laughs> exactly i don't think he would suit inter i think if if you've got a problem with discipline in uh, gasparini's side where basically <laughs> anyone's allowed to play anywhere and you're still upsetting him because you're not fulfilling the role that's asked of you how are you going to fit into conte a Conte 11 would be my question. Apparently a big factor in um, his decision is that his uh, wife and kids are settled in school. So it would make more sense for him to go to one of the northern Italian clubs. And uh, of course, Inter play in similar colors to Atalanta. So the switch wouldn't be so hard. Who can tell me whether or not he smashed his golden to beer? Because this is a key factor in whether he wins a Scudetto award later on. <laughs> Someone smashed this golden tapir. Um, <laughs> claims it's not he who smashed it. And to be honest, the, the program where he allegedly smashed it is not adverse to making up that someone smashed it. So um, I don't know. But at the same time, him not accepting it kind of shows that the situation has got to him because in the, I've seen this silly award, TV show award in Italy handed out to players in the past. And I've seen kind of Balotelli I've at least take it with a smile. I think other players got a bit violent as well, but it, it's never a good look. Yeah, Kenny, what, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I don't know. As you said before we recorded, <laughs> Oscar, uh, his statement emphatically denies that he did it, but he also uh, apparently issued a statement basically denouncing all of these rumors about a fallout with Gasperini, which has transpired to very much be the case. One thing that I did want to say before we move on, and I won't make too much of a, uh, a point on it, is that strangely enough, since this incident happened at halftime in the Mutualand game, Atalanta have actually been uh, been absolutely transformed. There's an argument uh, to say that if, if there was any dressing room unrest, basically Gomez not, not being in the plans has actually worked out for the better. I mean, the victory over Ajax... Uh, the the game against Juventus, the game against Fiorentina, and this game here, Atalanta have been back to their best. So yeah, you've preempted my last question, which is: Are Atalanta playing well just to spite Gomez? Um, Baz, any any takes on that? Well, I think Atalanta have benefited from the fact that while they're had a quite public falling out with one aging um, fantasista, another aging fantasista has come back into the fold, and uh, Ilicic has been remarkable in these past few games um he's been setting up goals for fun he managed to get on the score sheet as well and uh he's such a lovely player and it's so good to see him back on the pitch i i said to you guys a few weeks ago that my autocorrect on my phone always corrects ilicic's name to illicit and the way he's been playing it's it's perfect (laughs) oh that goal was a thing of a thing of beauty and yeah he transformed he turned this game on its head the the game against roma didn't he uh I said to you guys at uh, halftime that I thought Atlanta probably could arguably have uh, been going in 
level. But uh, uh, Gasparini completely rubbished me in the post-match press conference. He said we weren't able to trouble them in the first half. So, um, But in the second half, just Ilicic absolutely turned it on. Um, and yeah, I mean, three of the four goals, he had the direct hand in. And that, that goal that he scored was a thing of beauty, really. We have to speak a little bit about Roma as well, because um, had they won this game and they were leading 1-0, they would have gone uh, joint third with Juventus. As it is, um, it's a big missed opportunity, but also some question marks about the squad as a whole. And uh, Fonseca was most emphatic when he said that, that they went out like men in the first half and they were like children in the second half. Like warriors in the first half. Even better, warriors in the first half. Children. In the second half. It's another one of those games where, as you were watching it, you kind of think they've got a bit unlucky here and they've played quite well and they should have taken their chances, but it just happens week after week. So you're right, I think, to so have to start start questioning the mentality. And also some very questionable goalkeeping as well from uh, Mirante. Yeah, fair point. Uh, we've praised him in the past, but yeah, certainly some uh, some questionable positioning for some of the goals. Earlier in the week, the Italian media were saying that the Roma squad as a whole was pretty solid, but that they were lacking a, a goal scorer, as we said, and also that their goalkeeping department was a little bit weak. And I thought that was a little bit harsh, but um, given these past few performances, maybe they were onto something. Yeah, okay. I think that is all the time we've got for football, um, or for, <laughs> for recent football, uh, because we've got quite a lot of questions to get through in the Ask Let's start with a question from Shuts at Shuts of Palooza. Kenny, this is one for you, I think. Um, oh, yeah? Who the f*** was Filippo Maniero? And how did he end up at Rangers? I mean, it's a great question. Kenny can give the, the second part. I can say that Filippo Maniero was a Serie A journeyman striker who got quite a lot of goals in his time in Serie A and also played for Milan along the way not in a particularly stellar period of Milan's uh, history, but still. And uh, specifically to Rangers, Kenny has a good one for you. Yeah, well, t- to be honest, I not being a Rangers fan, uh, I wasn't quite across how, how badly Maniero's uh, spell in, in Scotland went. But I did recently, uh, well, a- after seeing this story, I dug out a uh, an interview with Maniero uh, in which the the, the the incredible, incredible quote uh, answers Schutz's uh, question quite quite directly. Oh, the journalist asked him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you end up? Yes, probably. Um, Who are you? <laughs> so in, in Maniero's own words, I was playing for an excellent Torino team, but they went bankrupt when we were in Serie B and we were all freed. I was 33 years old. And I knew that this was going to be my last transfer move. I was hoping I would, I would get a move back to Padova where I started my career. But instead, I made the worst decision in my life. I signed for Rangers. I accepted the offer from Glasgow. But in the two months I was there, I never played. The first chance I got, I thanked them and went home. And that was the way my career ended. I never played football again. Well, there you so... go, <laughs> Yeah. That's, uh comprehensive answer it's tragic a sad story <laughs> sad, sad tale okay I, maybe you can take this one Buzz. this one's from richard cook um what would be a good 2021 for the italian national side and do you have high expectations for them or do you think they're going to underperform 
So first of all, just qualifying for a tournament is nice. Um, Jean-Pierre Ventura was a genius at getting a very good Italy side or a decent Italy side knocked out by Sweden, I believe. I think at the next tournament, I expect Italy to be dark horses. As we mentioned in past episodes, they're probably not on the level of the likes of Germany, Spain, um, the big nations, but and they probably lack a, an out-and-out star. But at the same time, uh, we've praised Mancini over and over again for introducing a club-like mentality to the Azzurri. And um, generally, they're a joy to watch. And I think maybe they'll win a few neutrals over. And perhaps members of the British media will stop using negative stereotypes and, oh, the Italians <laughs> are so defensive and da-da-da. Because it's been a long time since it played like that. And uh, maybe it's time for a new cliche book. In a post-COVID world, anything is possible. Uh, I would actually also say that Mancini's been very good at downplaying expectations. This is an Italy side that's on an incredible run. They're very, very exciting. Uh, and I would have them down as quarter-finalists, possibly semi-finalists. And when you get to that stage, who knows? Greece, uh, Greece famously won the Euros. This Italy side is better than that Greece side. So you never know. But I would have them down as very probable uh, quarter-finalists or semi-finalists. Kevin Lasagna to score the winner. I heard it here first. Well, he scored at the weekend, so that's his drought over, at least. Yeah. Okay, this one's for all three of us, and it's what is the best football-related Christmas present that you've ever received? That's from Mike. I mean, I, I don't really have, like, a, a Italian football-related present. But it's probably just, like, a Spurs training top or something. I always find they're useful. So I actually put in quite a lot of groundwork on this. And I actually messaged my my parents. Uh, they um, gave me a few pointers, but the one that sticks in my mind. Do your parents is, listen to the pod? They do. They do. Hi, mum. Hi, dad. Yeah. Happy Christmas. Um, Cause, sorry, because since I said a few episodes ago that my girlfriend doesn't listen to the episode, she's like specifically making listening. points from from the episodes <laughs> to make sure I know she listens. Uh, rumbled. Yeah. So for for me, the one that sticks in my mind is a, a Subutio kit that I got um, basic uh, one Christmas where I, I had the pitch. I had one of the grandstands, which for me was very important. I was very into stadiums as a kid. So to get a grandstand as part of my Subutio kit was, was good, plus uh, three teams. And I think I spent most of Christmas Day uh, playing with that and trying to rope members of my family into playing against me. And if not, then playing against myself. Um, but my my, uh, my mom also very uh, very helpfully reminded me of a, a, a slightly unrelated anecdote where on one of my birthdays, uh, I was gifted a poster that was supposed to be a poster of, uh, of Gullit uh, when he was playing at, at Milan by uh, a friend of Boaz and mine. Um, and I, I think this poster was number number sixty six or something. Um, but accidentally, because of the way the tube was turned, they had uh, bought poster ninety nine instead, which happened to be of Mikhail Gorbachev. I, I think when I, when I opened the present, I, I was a bit stunned, and I, and I was told this is supposed to be a, a poster of Gullit. We can take it back and get it changed for you if you like. My natural reaction was yes, please. My mom wouldn't let me because she had just read the week before that Gorbachev had the same birthday as me. And she saw it as a sign that I was going to be like some world leader. So I still have the Gorbachev poster at my mom and dad's house. But I mean, unfortunately, are you a world leader? I'm not a world leader. So the, worst, the worst of all worlds, basically. So that's probably my best football present, I think. 
a poster of yeah, me. That's fantastic. <laughs> that <is> fantastic. <laughs> I mean, okay. my, my best Christmas present, and uh, I should stress I'm, I'm Jewish, so I've not had too many Christmases, but uh, my best football-related Christmas present is not related to Serie but I don't think I've ever told this story on this pod, so I'm going for it. My um, very first girlfriend was from uh, Merseyside, and I went to visit her on, uh, on Christmas once, and uh, one of her presents for me was two tickets for um, Tramier Rovers, who whose stadium happened to be across the road from her house, like literally you opened the window and you saw this team stadium. And so we went on a cold boxing day. It was minus two degrees, very windy. Neither team really wanted to be there. There was about 60 fans and um, a dull nil-nil. The worst football game I've ever seen in my life. But the only, <laughs> the only football Christmas present you ever received. I think so. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are others, but as I said, uh, this one sticks out because it was particularly dull. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <and> cold. <laughs> Jason McAteer. We broke up soon after this. I bought my brothers once uh, tickets to see Tottenham play in the Champions. I forget who we're playing. It was, I think it was a Greek team. And we're 2-0 down at halftime. And I thought it was the worst present I'd ever bought them. But we ended up winning 4-2, so... So, okay. that okay, sure. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we've got another one actually from Mike. Uh, maybe we can just do this one together, but uh, we need to name three current Serie A players who are definitely on Santa's naughty list. I mean, obviously, Gomez is Gomez. straight in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd like to nominate Brozovic because of his uh, antics oh, earlier yeah. in the season, um, <laughs> showing up in hospital with his friend with a knife sticking out of his leg and beating up cops at the hospital. It's, it's the kind of stuff that uh, Bruce Willis's dreams are made of. And uh, I'm not sure what he's playing at. And the uh, third guy, who else can we can we give this to? That's a good question. I mean, obviously tempted always to put Conte down, but he's not a player. Um, I mean, we just gave him some praise, but uh, you have to say that um, Luis Alberto's... Uh, weird social media rant was probably ill-advised at best i'm not sure i think maybe he didn't think many people were, were seeing it but like you can't just go online and destroy your employers and say they don't have any money and it wouldn't yeah. ha- if if he wasn't a footballer he'd been he would have been fired a long time ago yes good shot luis alberto number three yeah well done boss um okay <laughs> we've got a question from Paul here. Why is the transfer of players between big clubs normalized in Serie A compared to other top leagues in Europe? So, I mean, I guess he means like selling to competitors. So, I mean, I, first of all, I'm not sure it's happened as often in recent years as it has happened in the past. And also, when it does happen, glaring cases are Pirlo moving from Inter to Milan and then sub- subsequently to Juventus. It's not like he's they're leaving at the height of their um, of their career at res- at the respective clubs. Um, as well from Juve to Milan was that was that not the order it went or did he go to? Yeah, he went Juve to Milan and then a few small clubs, then Inter, and then a few more small clubs. But again, that was Baggio after he was past his after he was past his prime, perhaps. I I think it's strange to say this because I know the the question has come from someone in the UK, but. Strangely enough, in uh, as opposed to most things in life, Italians take um, club loyalty less seriously. It's not such a religious thing, and I guess they understand that at the end of the day, it's it's a profession, and that uh, players got to get paid. 
And when you're Bob Ovieri and you've played for half of Europe, then what what's the big deal about moving from uh, from Inter to Juve to Milan to uh, Atalanta to? Definitely <laughs> my favorite. That's my favorite career curve. Maybe he should have been a, a candidate for this next question. Actually, thinking about it, With, this is one we put a lot of thought into, which is partially why the pre-production was meeting was so long. But Paul's other question is: you have to book if you had to book five Italian football personalities players, ex-players, managers, owners, journalists, to appear in an Italian football come-dine-with-me special, who would you choose and why? So first of all, AC Jimbo, James Richardson, is the narrator because the narrator is just a rip-off of Jimbo anyway. Totally. And we think he'd be great in that role. Uh, and then the five guests are Balotelli, Ranieri, Gaza, Baggio, and Ronaldinho. So Kenny, why did we go with Balotelli? Why? Why wouldn't you go with Balotelli? Part of uh, part of come down with me, and probably one of the most enjoyable parts is that they have to for for people who don't. I think there are versions of this in the states and uh, possibly in Australia as well, and other English speaking uh, countries. I'm pretty sure there's an Italian version as well. In fact, there's probably a celeb version that some footballer has been on. But we're, Very we're... possibly, but um, part of the part of the beauty of the show in the UK, anyway, is that there is a, an, an element where they have to have some sort of uh, uh, entertainment for their guests, either after they've arrived, after they've eaten their their meal, and I mean. Can you imagine what Mario Balotelli would come up with as the entertainment? It would either be fireworks in the bathroom or it would be go-karts around the living room. So, I mean, he's first name on the team sheet for me. And when you leave, he'll give everyone a briefcase with a thousand pounds in it. Yeah, yeah, the winnings. He'll just share them out and then add in. He'll double up the winnings and then share it out. This is all I had on me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, And then to balance him out, we've gone with uh, Ranieri. Calming presence, someone who can... Uh, even Mourinho has turned around to him now. Yeah, the likable guy. There's always a likable guy, right? There's the guy that you can't take offense to, who everyone kind of kind of wishes was their dad or granddad or whatever. His special yeah. act would be reading poetry, making up strange idioms. And then we go with Gaza, just to sort of swing the pendulum back, and also for his excellent table manners. Yes, yes. Well, his uh, infamous... Uh, is, is is flatulence the right word when it comes out of your your mouth? I don't know. Uh, but when he was interviewed, when he was at Lazio on uh, yeah on, on TV, um, and I think that would go down well on a come come down with me show. Oral flatulence. Floor <laughs> 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 pranks as well. Uh, and then we've got Baggio. I can't remember why. Because um, he hunts his own food. And, uh, oh, yeah. and he's also a Buddhist. So I think it'd be an inter- interesting <laughs> conversation all round. Um, very zen. And finally, uh, Ronaldinho, just to, to bring the party. Yeah, Ronaldinho would be would have the samba. There would be a lot of dancing. Um, would be smiling throughout. Yeah, I mean, Boaz was struggling throughout the kind of selection process <laughs> with just choosing the players that he thought would bring the best food, but we had to remind him that he doesn't actually get to attend. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if I was producing said show, I would definitely like test some of the samples, whatever Ronaldinho is bringing. Yeah, anyway, that's the, that's the five we went with, and we snuck uh, James Richardson in for a sixth. So yeah, I think that, that wraps up all the questions. And we, we have one from Viola Club Israel as well, which was, how bad is this Fiorentina in comparison to previous 
previous versions of the team that you know. And I think since uh, Fiorentina's, uh, since the bankruptcy, basically, uh, the league table speaks for itself, really. Um, the, the situation currently is pretty pretty dire, really. But uh, that there are signs that they are turning a corner a little bit. Um, I would say the Yakini incarnation of Fiorentina, probably the worst since since then. Um, but now that there are signs that you know, like a like a big ocean liner, things are slowly slowly um, turning. Uh, they've got two draws in a row, um, and Vlaovic has been on the score sheet two games in a row, um, and those were not necessarily easy games on paper. I think it was Sassuolo and, and Verona, which are not two of the, the, the whipping boys of, of Serie A. So uh, this team currently, uh, probably not the worst since then, but um, the the situation under Iacchini, probably the worst since since then. Fiorentina seem allergic to winning right now, much like uh, Torino, who we mentioned earlier. I mean... If you're comparing this side to the glorious side that won at uh, Arsenal, for example, obviously, obviously it's not such a glorious side. But if you look at it player for player, and considering the team was in Serie not so long ago, they actually should be doing a lot better than what they're doing. So the next question, uh, a figure who's no stranger to this podcast: What is the consensus in Italy about Antonio Conte's underperformance in Europe? First with Juve, now also with Inter. Is this seen as a problem or is it just one of those things that can happen? Antonio Conte has made his career by winning over a long season. He's done He's done it at Chelsea, he did it at Juve, and he's probably going to do it at Inter this season. It looks like he there's some issues in motivating his players when the, the goals are more short-term. Having said that, um, he was very close to winning the Europa League just a few months ago and... Uh, you have to say that they probably deserve to win in that final. Uh, and so it's perhaps a little bit harsh, but uh, he did leave Juventus in a, with a cloud of uh, dust behind him and pretty much the same at uh, Chelsea. So it, it you get the feeling that um, Conte is the kind of manager who brings his players right to the very limit, both mentally and uh, physically. And then once they're completely spremuti, as they would say in Italy, he cuts his losses. He is criticized for uh, obviously not not qualifying for the from the Champions League is a huge uh, mark on his CV. But at the same time, the reason he's the highest paid manager in Serie A at the moment is because he's ultimately a winner, as I've said a few times in the past. And um, I guess the Inter hierarchy believe that he can bring them trophies in the long run. Yeah, it's a good answer. Well. Quagliarella ever retire? Who is that one from? It's from Philip on Facebook. Will Quagliarella ever retire? Quagliarella is um, it is one of these ever-present faces and the player who's scored 170 goals in his career, I believe. So hopefully he won't retire for a while. Who knows? But never against Milan, right? That's uh, yeah. That was a stat that I, I think I forgot to bring up when Sampdoria played Milan a few weeks ago. But he scored against um, every team in Serie A at the moment except for Milan. There you go. So you can't retire just yet. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's all the questions that you've sent in for us. Thanks very much for those. We look forward to uh, answering your questions on a regular or semi-regular basis in the new year. The last section of this podcast is the Scudetto Awards. Um, first up is uh, the Gagliardini Challenge. 
for anyone who hasn't been listening or doesn't know, this is for the most ridiculous open goal miss, obviously named after Gagliardini, who missed, um, I can't even remember the game, but he, he missed a ridiculous open it goal. Sassuolo, at the end of last season. It? it was against Sassuolo. Yeah. Um, we kind of spoiled this one because I think, we're all agreed that it needs to go to Morata. It has to go to Morata. What are you thinking, mate? It it's quite a recent one, but but and there were some very good contenders throughout this uh, first half of the season. But uh, Morata really wanted this award. He's he's been, <laughs> he's been he wanted to put it on his mantelpiece. Covets so, it. Yeah, he he wishes for it. Absolutely. Uh, the next Gudetta Award is Civilized Beer of the Year. I guess we probably can't agree on one as no one each i think yeah any do you want to go first uh, i i've i should have given some thought to this 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 award seemed to come as a surprise to you guys i uh, i mentioned it i think a week ago that this was an award that had to be had to be given tempest brewing company dios mio uh for me number one the most most importantly uh because the can looks cool um, and uh, number two, because I was a, a bit complacent about it before starting it and uh, said that I couldn't taste the, the spice, but I was still dealing with it afterwards. Uh, it was a very good IPA, and it even qualifies for Boaz's uh, description of, of a beer as a six percenter. So. What do you mean you were still dealing with it afterwards? As in, it, it was very spicy. I'm going to give my award to the 101 California Parallel. I think it was one of the first beers I had, but I've been drinking it regularly ever since. It's um, from the Fat Lizard Brewing Company. Very, very tasty uh, Finnish pale ale. And it's, it says it's from California when it's actually from Helsinki, which I know upsets you, Buzz, but I'm willing to overlook that. So, As long as it um, tastes good. What's your award? So I'm gonna, I've given this a little bit of thought, contrary to what Kenny thinks. I opted for that uh, New England IPA, the Brewdog versus Cloudwater that I had uh, two weeks ago. Um, I was hoping to pick a local beer, but that beer in particular really left its mark on me. And I even got my brother to go out and purchase a six pack of it for himself. I, I rarely recommend a beer, but this one is a really, really good one. Okay, Baz, you're going to have to do the next two of these awards for me because you've been keeping the tally of who's won the most honorable mentions and the most dishonorable mentions so reveal to us who wins the honor of scudetto so in our defense we've tried to uh spread the love in honorable mentions as much as possible throughout these uh, 17 or so episodes and likewise we've tried not to um focus on one club or one person too much in our dishonorable mentions Having said that, um, it looks like at this point of the season, Mr. Rocco Comiso is leading the dishonorable mention table with uh, two dishonorable mentions. One for having a whine about um, Chiesa not saying goodbye to him properly, like a scolded girlfriend we said at the time. And uh, one for uh, something to do with referees, I believe. And our most uh, honorable person thus far has been uh, Weston McKinney, the American new signing for Juventus, who um, got uh, honorable mention right at the start of the season when he surprised in a preseason friendly, and then got another one in um, for his match against Barcelona, I believe. Uh, we should also mention, I mean, the way we divided these honorable mentions, it, it's probable that Lazio as a whole got the most dishonorable mentions for <laughs> clubs, <laughs> members, presidents, everything. But I, I'll work that out for the end of season awards. 
I'm surprised that Zlatan doesn't got as, as many. I think because we talk about him in the main part of the pod every week. And same with Conte. I think Boaz was banned from a, an honourable mention for Zlatan once because he'd already given him an earlier one in the, the same podcast or something. So he, right. I, Zlatan has one honourable mention and he also shares an honourable mention with um, Gervinho when they both scored pretty good goals on the same midweek game. That one and a half then. Yes. Fair if enough. I were the kind of person who kept tabs on this kind of thing, I would say it's one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the final award, um, what's this, the, the Pro Vercelli Award? Oh, it's the Fall from Grace. Yes. Pro Vercelli, famous, famously were one of the one of the highest achieving clubs in Italy in the early 20th century. And now, now Oscar Gein, host of Scudetto Pod, isn't quite sure how to, how to pronounce their name. So... If that's not a fall from grace, I don't know what is. Yeah. They're like the Accretin Stanley of uh, Italy. Fair enough. Anyway, I think we've kind of spoiled who we're going to give this one to as well, Kenny. But do you want to do the honours? Papu. Papu Gomez. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say that it was close between Papu Gomez and uh, Paolo Dybala, but I feel like it's really harsh to, to, to give this award to Paolo Dybala because it seems like the whole club's behind him. We mentioned it last, last uh, pod. And also, I think I absolutely love Paulo Dybala. I think he's a great footballer. He's just going through a rough time at the moment. Uh, but Papo Gomez's behavior uh, has, uh, I think, turned a lot of people against him. And for, for me, hands down, hands down, there's yeah, very little debate. He's earned himself the award there, really, hasn't he? He's another one who really wanted this award. And so he, he waited <laughs> towards the end of the season because he knew it would be memorable. He circled that Juve game in the calendar for different reasons to all the other Atalanta players. This, this will be the date where I go crazy. Okay. Uh, we said that part two was going to be longer. It's uh, run to nearly double the time. Just time for a, a few quick honorable mentions. Kenny, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I, I've got one for Martin Darun. Uh, and this is for the um, so the his social media again. I think we've already given him uh, honourables for for social media. Um, but this one in the aftermath of the Juventus game, he shared a uh, a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo in crystal clear focus with Martin Darun uh, out of focus in the background, and said, "Just sharing this picture for the engagement. Great match, guys, or something." And someone responded to him by saying, uh, "You should have been sent off." Uh, which was obviously a bit of a bit of a troll move. Martin Darun quote tweeted this and said, "I absolutely agree. It was too hard. I was late. I hope it's known that it was never my intention to to hurt anybody, and I hope that Quadrado is doing all right." And Quadrado also quote tweeted this uh, Darun tweet by saying. But, but, but with a list of emojis, but really, uh, but just basically saying no, no problem. The funny thing about this, I think, is that the guy who initially said to him, you should have been sent off, uh, then replied to Darun's tweet saying, oh, my God, you, you replied to my tweet. Greatest of all time. Uh, to which <laughs> one eagle eyed Twitter user underneath had, uh, had tweeted saying, you've changed your tune. So, <laughs> so that entire exchange, I think Martin Darun. Yeah, I mean, he's he's almost even uh, shaded Carl Kraus on his Twitter usage there. <laughs> okay, and next up, you, oh, you've got another one, Kenny, for Torino here. Oh, this is a dishonorable mention for Torino. Uh, wow. I mean, it's mislabeled yeah, here. Yeah, again, long story short, it's yet another occasion in which Torino went into the last 15 minutes of a game 
in a position where they were going to take three points, uh, much needed three points. And again, they couldn't see the game out. Um, so real problems there. And uh, one from me, I'm just going to give an honourable to uh, Ilicic's boots. Uh, we discussed his, his excellent goals against Roma, but I was just struck by how well his boots matched his kit. I think uh, Neptune Blue described us, but check them out. Big uh, fan. Boaz, <laughs> Boaz, you've got a dishonourable for Kondreva. Kondreva managed to do the unthinkable and upset Claudio Ranieri, who dropped him from the side for one of the recent matches. It almost looked like um, Sampdoria were, had no intention of renewing him. His, uh, they, they have a loan deal with uh, Inter that they have to purchase him at the end of the season. But uh, as Kenny correctly mentioned before we were recording, Kondreva was soon returned to the first team and uh, he set up Qualiarella for the goal. So probably all good right now there, but uh, Kondreva needs to pull his socks up. And uh, continuing the dishonorable theme, um, we've got an update on the Luis Suarez situation. We promised this a few weeks ago. We never came back to it. So So when when this whole farce initially started we we kind of speculated about uh, what was the content of the test and what might have happened now we know for sure that Suarez was not only served the test well in advance of him taking it but he still managed to botch it up um there's a whole transcript of his uh spanish test and the the people who are testing him are laughing along with him and he, He's saying like, oh, I'm a professional footballer in Barcelona. And they're like, ha ha, we know, ha 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 ha. His whole level of Italian, I mean, Oscar, your Italian is better than Suarez is at the moment. Stunning. Um, <laughs> that is certainly not true. The whole affair is, um, is a bit, leaves a bit of a bitter taste because it looks like quite a few people um, got together to push this over the line. And... Uh, Juventus's involvement is still not clear and uh, to avoid any sort of legal repercussion I'm not going to mention them right now but it could get tasty for them as well because they they were in contact with uh, Suarez's lawyers and his agent just before he took this test. And you've got one more dishonorable for us. I have to give a dishonorable mention to the Italy embassy of Montenegro. Um, (laughs) Apparently the... (laughs) The Italian Embassy of Montenegro official Twitter account uh, at Italy in MNE tweeted after the Napoli Lazio game. They responded to a tweet from uh, Napoli midfielder Fabian Rui, who was playing with his dog in this in this video he posted, and they, re- they responded, "You can only play with dogs. Did you even watch this game? You're as you're as slow as a tortoise. Uh, you don't deserve this shirt." We don't deserve your uh, your uh, atteggiamento, your your uh, how would you translate attitude. your attitude? And this is from the official channel. Fantastic! That is excellent, and a great note to uh, end the year of Scudetto podcast. Yeah, uh, for twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So thanks again to all our listeners. If you don't already, please subscribe to our podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you you listen to our podcast. Uh, I think that's all from us. Any any parting words for our listeners? I'd just like to say thank you, thank you very much for 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 listening. This has been the 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 first season of uh, of Scudetto, so we really really appreciate your your support and look forward to to speaking to you more and answering more of your Ask Scudetto 
questions in 2021. And this is very tough to say as a Minam fan, but um, hopefully things are going to get better in 2021 for everyone. Our New Year's resolution is to keep the podcasts under 40 minutes. Um, this is a bumper <laughs> Christmas special. It's fine. Bumper Christmas special. A four-beer special. Okay. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much. We'll speak to you in the new year. Until then, enjoy the football. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.